we have it all, a business and lifestyle podcast for content creators and entrepreneurs. Real insights, help and conversations to inspire you to do what you truly want to. So welcome Oni, welcome to the podcast. It's so lovely to have you here. Thanks how, for having me. How are you doing? Um, fine, thank you. Good, good. And what I thought I'd do is before I ask you to introduce yourself, um, yeah. I just want to be a bit of a fangirl for a moment because as you know, I absolutely adore your content and I've followed you for, well, I was trying to think of how long it's been because when I found you on Instagram initially, I yeah. remember you having about 5,000 followers. So oh, yeah, yeah. How long ago would that have been? I would say maybe that would be at least four years. That's got to be, hasn't it? So I've, yeah. I feel four like five I'm, years. Yeah. So I don't know where this time flies. So I, I consider myself a bit of an OG follower of you. Um, yeah. And I know when I landed on your profile, I just instantly loved everything about it. The aesthetic the editing, the composition of your posts. And if I'm totally honest, it's like I felt like you were putting out there everything that I just wasn't brave enough to do in terms of content. And, you know, if I was to start again and just scrap it all, I'd want to be like you. I'd want to, I'd want to create content like you do. I think it's absolutely beautiful. And the listeners, as they get to know you today, will obviously go and follow you and realise why I fangirl you so much um but we've obviously met each other over the years as well because we're both kind of on the blogging scene in Manchester I'm proud to say that you were winner of the content creator of the year at the Northern Blog Awards in 2018 so that was a couple of years ago and we've both spoken together at um BBC DigiCities events so I feel like we've got to know each other over the years a little bit and I find every time I learn more about you and your story I find it really inspiring and I know the listeners of this podcast will too and and I just want to kind of delve a little bit more into your journey so fangirling over (laughs) can you just kind of for anyone who doesn't know who you are can you explain who you are and what it is that you do what's your job so my name is Oni and um, I'm a blogger slash photographer um I just like to take um, pictures that kind of like tell a story. Um, mostly, I believe there's always a story to tell, <laughs> but sometimes I manage to capture the romance of it all. That's why it's a bit sweet and romantic and just nice. Um, so I feel like it's a way for me to ex- escape um, the reality sometimes that could be very stressful in life so I want people to be able to look at my pictures and feel calm nice and almost like transport it to a different time if you will um, so that's what I do a lot of what I do is story um, storytelling um, my blog um, although it's classed as a fashion travel and lifestyle blog I, I feel like if you follow my blog you find that there's more depth and substance to it because um, I like to write about inspirational stuff and just positive stuff to get people um, in a better 
place basically so I would say um, at first I was only focusing on that aspect on my blog but very recently um, I was thinking about uh, my purpose and I was saying um, I don't know why I don't bring that side of my blog onto my Instagram you know so um, lately I started incorporating in that there where I just talk a bit more um, have longer captions just sharing my thoughts like I would if I was on my blog so that's where I am at now I love it and I absolutely love that because I you know I'm a blogger by kind of trade you know as yeah. I started and so I really appreciate that you're blogger first you know I think there's a lot of people on Instagram you know that are purely Instagram and I actually really love that you have your blog and that was kind of where it all started but I do and I have noticed this kind of shift in your Instagram lately and I love it and I love the behind the scenes stuff I like feeling like I'm getting to know you a little bit more as well so I think that's a really like fantastic move um but so tell us take us back a bit because I think your journey is super inspiring so you were born and raised in Nigeria right yes I was yeah so can you just take us back a little bit to how you went from Nigeria to here and your journey from I don't want to say the words for you but you tell us the story from where you've come from and how you ended up doing this so I would say um, when I was in Nigeria, um, I was working in a bank, but um, I don't know, for some reason, I always felt like I needed to go somewhere else. Um, so I was looking for any reason to like just explore travel, but like stay there for a while. And at first um, <laughs> I wanted to move to the United States because Hollywood kind of like convinced everyone that the USA is the place to be. But um, <laughs> But then when I looked into um, all the visa requirements for the USA, um, it was a lot. It was a lot. And I said, um, compared to the UK, I said the UK requirements were um, a lot easier. Um, so I decided to come to the UK and um, further my career as a chartered accountant, which I did. So I came as a student and I was studying to become a qualified accountant. And I completed my degree. But in between... Um, I completed, sorry, I completed my qualification. So in between all of that, um, I didn't get a job immediately. So I was stuck at home for a while, um, mostly because I was waiting for my visa extension to go through and the home office held my passport for um, over eight months. And then when they returned it back to me, they refused my visa and I had to go to court for them to like reconsider the decision because my close friend, in fact, my neighbor from Nigeria who was here with me applied for the same visa using all the same qualifications and requirements that um, I had met and he was granted the visa, but I was refused the visa. Right. So his, um, his testimony of him getting the visa based on the same conditions um, came into play in court. And then the judge um, ended up siding with me and told the Home Office to issue me the visa. But the Home Office weren't interested in giving me the visa. And they said they decided to take me back to court to appeal the decision. So it was a lot of back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you know what? I'm going to reapply under a different category. So I just applied for a different type of visa. Um, I then got that one and um, and then I got a job at the bank. But while all of this was happening, um, I was sat at home 
not doing much. And mm-hmm. I and Craig um, were living together um, in a different flat. And he was working, but I wasn't working. But he put me in charge of the finances because um, I am the accountant. And um, I spend a lot of time binge-watching um, reality TV shows, um, all the Real Housewives, um, Love and Hip Hop, everything. Brilliant. <laughs> um, that was the first time I actually came across um, Cardi B. Um, ah, so yeah. she, was in, she was in Love and Hip Hop, yeah. She was in Love and Hip Hop. That was a while ago before yeah. she grew up. Um, so yeah, um, and then one day I was sat at home watching a TV show called um, Fashion Bloggers. It was on E! And um, it was just a bunch of women from Australia um, who were bloggers and writers in a sense, but also photographers. So they would take their own pictures using tripods and they were being featured in Vogue and Harper's Bazaar. And I was like, wow, you know, I didn't know. I was like, I always wanted to blog, but I didn't quite know what I was passionate about. But seeing yeah. the women just like be creative on their own terms was very inspiring and I remember thinking to myself um the rent was due and I googled one of the cameras <laughs> that one of the girls was using and rather than um paying the rent I decided to order a camera and I didn't tell Craig um, I love that an accountant who's just like screw the bills <laughs> yeah, plus I didn't have a job so I was just at home so I just said to myself I'm gonna order the camera and I did um, but Craig found out later because the landlord was chasing him and saying you know I didn't receive your rent and he rang me he's like oh the rent didn't go through can you check the bank and I was like oh I actually bought a camera and his reaction was like fuck it we've got a new camera we'll sort out the rent later love that um, but yeah, but I said to myself, if I was going to spend the um, rent money on a camera, then I need to learn how to use it. So that began my YouTube journey of like self um, teaching myself um, photography. So mm-hmm. I would go out every day and shoot, come back, practice. And so eventually, even while still battling the home office, I was doing that. And then when I got um, the job, I then got a job in a bank and when I got that job I didn't stop after work I would come home take pictures um learn to edit up until like 2 a.m sometimes 3 a.m at night and then I had to be up for 7 a.m to try and get into work so it was really really stressful but I would say all of that paid off um because um at some point I would I say getting questions from people saying um can you tell me more about um, photography? Your work is good. And I was like, oh, I mean, I, I'm only learning, but I didn't think that I was getting that good for people to be asking me questions. So I decided to um, share some of the information that I already had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but while working in the bank, I came to the conclusion that it wasn't a good environment for me, only because of some experiences. I think working in the bank, kind of like... Um, showed me or should i say is a very good example of how you can have a good organization but a few bad eggs can actually make the whole work environment horrible and there were two a couple of people in particular that just made work for me a bit difficult Mm. but not just me it was me and some other people that were my friends in the office and it was it just became very hostile to the point that everyone left including myself yeah um so I said you know what I'm gonna quit my job and focus on my blog full time 
time and see how that goes. Um, so when I started doing it full time, I needed a way to generate income because I didn't plan it, even though I'm an accountant. <laughs> um, I needed a way to generate income. So I wrote an ebook um, about um, how people can get into photography and teach themselves um, about it. And it kind of like picked up a bit from there, but um, luckily for me as well, I started getting more campaigns, yeah. campaigns. So it was almost as if the universe was waiting for me to take a chance on myself. Um, so I did take that chance of um, um, heading into the space full time. And I carried on. I wouldn't say the finances were great in the first year, but as time went on, I could see that they were improving. Yeah. I said to myself, after six months, if nothing happens, then I'll quit. But even within six months, Craig um, quit his job and he was um, then working with me to help me get more content out there because the more you do then the more you know you are seeing um as far as it goes in the industry so um that was how everything came to be and here i am today and so far um by sticking with it being consistent and also improving and ultimately deciding what my purpose is in this space um has kind of like shaped my whole journey i yeah. absolutely love that and I love, I love that you're an accountant who takes so many financial risks. That makes me really happy. And I think, you know, I talk with a lot of different people on, on this podcast and I think everybody's kind of feelings of taking that leap is slightly different. You know, some people will, you know, moonlight for a year and build up a second income and then they feel brave enough to go. And some people will plan it meticulously I'm someone that was kind of thrown into a situation where I just had to roll with it and start to, like my own business. And I think I love that you were in a situation that you wanted to get out of. You were starting to find a passion in something and you just went for it. And I think that's really inspirational because you don't always have to have a business plan, do you? No, not really. But I would say you, you might not necessarily have a business plan, but you should have the skills to get you... Um, to the point where you need to be so it's one thing to say oh I'm going to quit and start doing this but if you don't have the skills to back it up to go into the business that you're going into then that might not be a very wise decision so for me I kind of knew the trajectory I was going in in the sense that yeah I didn't have savings like to help me if nothing came through but for me it was more like my plan was I didn't have a lot of followers as well so I've heavily focused on the photography side of things where I could then sell the usage rights to brands and make a decent living from it as opposed to just doing sponsored posts. So yeah. a lot of my income was coming from brands and um, wanting me to shoot brand campaigns that then make it onto my social platform, but they then went ahead to use it for um, their own marketing material. Um, and yeah, so I would say I, um, sort of like had a plan in place but I wouldn't say I had um, the finances to back up that plan necessarily yeah. yeah and I love that and actually when I learned that about you that you kind of focused on the visuals first and you were having campaigns that none of us saw you know on your grid like you said and I, I think yeah. that's really interesting kind of insight into the industry because I think particularly on Instagram people just presume that it's hashtag ad sponsored content 
you know, yep. cam campaigns that are really kind of obvious. And actually yep. you had honed this skill self-taught that you could then, you had something else, you could sell that, you, you were kind of a creative director and that was always going to be there. And then your grid was kind of, you know, something else as well. And I love that. Yeah. I think one of the reasons I did it that way as well is because I don't quite, even up until today, I don't quite get the influencer marketing space. Yeah. So I always look at the future and I'm thinking, but where's this going to be in how many years time? So having those skills to hand means if the industry does collapse, it means I can go on to still be a freelance creative director, freelance photographer, you know, yeah. but I do have skills that I can then transfer into another set of business that I might go on to and um, might go on to do um, um, if the influencer space does collapse. Yeah. yeah. And how much of, so you said, you know, it took sort of six months for you to get to a point where you were like, okay, this is a job now and Craig can come on board as well. So how much of that, I mean, you're obviously dedicated. You talked about being up to two, three in the morning when you had a full-time job. And I think that's the kind of thing that pushes a lot of entrepreneurs along is the dedication. But yeah. how much of that, you know, business that was coming to you was proactive? Like, were you pitching to brands or were they finding you? And how, how did that work? What was the kind of split between you going out there and then, and people coming to you? I think it was very interesting because I, I would say I am one of the lucky few when I hear other people's story because I would say 95% of the work I was getting was inbound as opposed to me going out to wow. look for, for work. So I would say I was lucky in that sense. Well, it's not lucky, is it? Because your work speaks for itself so i think you yeah, know, I know some, some amazing people who actually have great content as well but um somehow brands are not finding them mm. That's why, is, yeah it is it is a difficult industry for that isn't it i think that sometimes there seems no rhyme or reason but um i think that's really that's super interesting and i was going to touch on this later but since we've mentioned him i feel like we should talk about it now um, what's it like working with your husband and how was that kind of dynamic, you know, bringing him into the business, so to speak? Yeah. So, um, Craig has his own project, his own work that he does, his own business as well. Um, but, um, I kind of like, um, he works for me. No, he doesn't work for me. <laughs> he I'm... helps me out. Sorry. He helps me out with the shoot as a photographer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so what he tends to do is, um, say for example, if I have to travel and do campaigns, so I'm going to be on the road, it's not feasible carrying a tripod up and down. So yeah. great with me and he helps me out. But most of the time he's doing, um, some backend stuff, which is his own job. Yeah. Um, but I would say working with Craig has been easy in the sense that we're very much people who like our own space because he already knows his work schedule and I already know my work schedule. Yeah. So I do say, so typically Craig would um, help pick locations. So he's quite good um, with finding locations. And then I would like come up with like the creative direction and every other thing. And then, if we're working together, he's doing the photography, then I'm doing everything else, like the editing, the writing and all yeah. that. So 
there's only a brief moment in time where we're like together, mm-hmm. which could be maybe for like an hour for the rest of the work day. He's in his own corner, in his own corner. And I'm in my own office, just doing my own thing. So you're not under each I wouldn't other. Say, yeah. So we're not. Yeah. Because I think people tend to think that we're like together two for seven, but it's actually not. It. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably the healthy way to be. Let's yeah. Yeah. But all marriages, particularly in lockdown, to survive right now. Yeah. Um, and because I feel a bit like a little bit envious because it's a content creator's dream to have the Insta husband, and I'm doing inverted. Yeah, because it just feels like you have a photographer on standby. Yeah. yeah. So that that's got to have helped along the way. Yes, it has. Because <laughs> they, when I get last minute jobs, because you know he's available then it's easier for me as opposed to people who have to hire a photographer and then um you know have to work on their own schedule but even when Craig is not available because sometimes he might be traveling or doing his own thing um Mm. I have got my tripod because I've learned to shoot myself it's just that it might take me longer to get the shot but eventually I will get it um yeah and yeah you're really I remember you talking about this at one of the events that we spoke at you're really kind of you've got good at just going out there on your own with your tripod not really caring what other people think because again that's something that stops a lot of people isn't it about that oh gosh I can't photograph myself in the street or you know whatever but you, you've kind of grown that confidence yeah but I would say I just go to I go out to do my shoots when most people are at work so you find that the streets are usually empty yeah to if it was on the weekend so it's all about timing so the spaces where we go and have our shoots, we tend to go when it's usually quiet. And do you, because I've seen you've used certain locations. Like I remember um, you did a series when you went to the, was it the Transport Museum, I think? Yes, yes. Um, so they're very nice. You just go there and they're, they're lovely people. In fact, one of the gentlemen who worked there, when he saw us taking pictures, he said, oh, you know, if you if you love vintage um, buses, I've got vintage car. Um, He's like, I can bring my vintage car in for you. Very cool. Yeah, and, and he says, um, let me know the next time you're coming. And um, and he took our number and we told him we're coming one Saturday. And he actually brought his car in for us to shoot. That's so cool. So it just yeah. goes to show, like, don't be afraid to kind well, of put yourself out there a little bit. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so you mentioned a little bit earlier that you sort of still don't get the influencer marketing space. So you now have... 144,000 I think the last time I checked followers on Instagram which kind of puts you in the influencer category do you see yourself as an influencer and and kind of what do you think about that space I think for a very long time I was in denial about being an influencer only because (laughs) (laughs) only because I, I I I was looking at the word influence in a negative way in the sense yeah. that I influence them to do something bad or do and I was like no I don't want to influence anyone but also mostly because um someone who kind of like preaches um taking an introspective approach in life I talk about this a lot on my blog mm. so I believe in people finding themselves and their voices as opposed to losing themselves in other people so I think for a very long time, I did not want to be the sort of person where I, I don't know how to put it, where people were obsessed or, you know, this person said buy this and, you know, all, all of this. So I wanted people to always like draw 
courage for me. Like if she can do what she's doing, then I can do whatever it is that, you know, I want to do. So that was the approach I wanted I to take. And I, and I still do as opposed to people being obsessed with me. Like I want you to fall in love with your own self because I'm just doing me and I also want you to do you so I think that influences stuff kind of like struggle like I've really struggled with it yeah uh, but now I'm coming to realize that it's not necessarily a bad thing in the sense that I can almost like use my words hence why I say I'm saying like finding my purpose in this space and just going a lot more personal so people can apply it to their own lives so that's mm-hmm. the approach I'm taking um with regards to the um, influencer space because I want people who ultimately follow me to be able to get something out of it for them for them I absolutely love that and I I kind of wish there was more people like that in the space and actually I spoke to I'm not sure if you know or follow her but Katie come down to the woods who's a big kind of interiors Instagrammer very she calls herself an accidental influencer I mean she has um 180,000 followers or something and we were talking about I think it's so much to do with the wording isn't it that kind of influence almost feels like you know coercion or persuasion yeah yeah. but actually if it was like an inspirer you know someone that you're inspired by it's a totally different thing because we all take in you know magazines and tv and media and Mm. we don't feel like we're being influenced in like a dirty way if we go out and But you can be inspired yes. by things, can't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think, yeah. And that's why I almost like avoid things like the whole, I'm not judging anyone who does it because, you know, everyone um, is on a different path ultimately. Ultimately. And everyone, you know, it's not going to be like me. If not, there wouldn't be um, differences. And our differences is what makes us all very interesting. Um, but for me, um, I think I just struggled with the um, sell, sell, sell side of things because it just has to be you. It has to be a lifestyle. If it's mm-hmm. not you, then don't feel pressured into buying stuff. And I try to make it clear, like, you know, something's a gift. On a normal day, would I go out and splodge that much? Maybe, maybe not. So mm-hmm. don't be feeling bad about yourself like she's got you know this product that's worth thousands of pounds but you're not in the same position as me and you can make do with what you have um well and it's always you know again I think somebody who works in social media or, or the online world is it's always a perception isn't it I think you've got to remember that that one photo with you know a a coach handbag or a Louis Vuitton handbag it's one photo it's 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 a moment it's a snapshot and it and it's it's the perception of people of you. And I think if you um, kind of keep it real in other respects, then then people kind of can relate to that a lot more. Um, but yeah, that's what I always think with social media. It's a hard one to get across the full picture. And it's it's easy, you can see, for people to fall into that comparison thing, you know. Yeah. Um, so I love that you are more about making people kind of feel the love for themselves rather than the like love for you. Yeah. Even though you have fangirls like me who love you. <laughs> um, so I just want to touch a bit though, because you are in the, spa- in the space where you work with brands. And I know that, you know, I've met you and bumped into you at kind of press events and things. Um, yeah. You obviously have way more of an insight into that world than I do and I think particularly like the kind of fashion space is very kind of active in terms of events and meetups and what have you Um, and 
What's it like being a black woman in that space? Do you think that that's shaped your journey at all, like positively or negatively? What's your kind of thoughts on that? I would say for the most part, I struggled in the sense that sometimes I would be one of the few black women in the room or the only one in the room. And my personality is quite um, different because it's quite weird because I'm a Leo. You would think I'm like very mm-hmm. vivacious and loud and all of that stuff. Um, um, but no, when I go to spaces like that, I'm usually very observant only mm-hmm. because the first time I say going into, because most of the stuff happens down in London. And then when I go, you know, I would try to interact with bloggers. So I don't know if it's a, if it's a London thing, but mm-hmm. there is a lot of attitude in the sense that people don't want to engage with you as a human being. Right. Um, so yeah so I, I really don't know say for example um, i went to this event and um i didn't know anyone i was all there by myself and i think a mistake that some of these pr people make is they have um bloggers that they love which is natural you know so they might have a blogger that they absolutely love they watch them on youtube follow them everywhere and obviously they want those bloggers that they love to be invited so mm-hmm. they could meet them but then they invite other people to like just meet the other maybe diversity and inclusivity quota. Right. I then fall under the token. So what tends to happen, it's not like I'm saying the PR should come and give me love and attention, but you can see them clearly paying attention to only a certain group of people. And then you're invited there and you're wondering, Oh, what am I doing here? Because you're thinking the PR is supposed to educate you on why you're there and yep. the message they're trying to get across after all this is a press event so yep. what is this that we're here for but they don't they pay me no mind sometimes and they just focus in on other people so i then try to interact with other people in the space and um a lot of the reaction i've gotten from bloggers have been quite shocking really yeah i don't I, I'm, I'm bad with with recognizing people so okay. and i don't tend to follow a lot of bloggers per se mm-hmm. i follow more like creative mm-hmm. accounts, maybe photographers and um, just people who do something maybe slightly yeah, that's where you're in yeah from yeah. the normal influencing space and mm-hmm. then but i do follow a number of bloggers but obviously i'm not going to know every blog on the planet so you can tell like they have this attitude of like you know me or something like that or who I am but I really don't know who they are and I'm just trying to um, have a conversation with them yeah Um, and there was one event where um, I approached these girls and I was trying to converse with them and I said oh are you girls from London and they were like yeah and I was like they didn't even ask me where I was from I was like oh I've just come from Manchester and they were like oh right and they all looked at each other and one by one they just walked away Hey, I see. I can't. I just can't. I just can't imagine it. So you know what I'm like, though, because I'm straight into a room and I'm like trying to talk and you know meet everyone. People don't want to converse, um, and they just and then I said noticing stuff. Say for example, where maybe the p um, the girls in the event won't want to engage with me, even though I'm trying to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the PR person starts to talk to me and say, "Oh my God, Oni, I love your, I love your pictures," or, or they start, you know, going on and on about it. And yeah. then those blogger girls become interested, and they're like, 
oh, oh, let me see, let me see. And then they see, and then sometimes they might realize that I have more followers than them, then all of a sudden. You're worth knowing. Yeah, and then they're like trying too hard, and I'm like, and it, it just, it's very disappointing because I can see through it. It's like, I approached you, like, why do you need to know my stats? And there's something yeah. that Michelle Obama said in her documentary on Becoming yeah. um, on Netflix. She said, we often focus too much on the stats than the story. Yeah. So I would say that's a clear example. Like if someone comes to you and they're nice to you, I just feel like you just reciprocate that and same gesture back towards them. You don't wait to know, I don't know how many followers they have or, you know, what yeah, they can be validated do. by that. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, it is. So it's all very strange. So I, I would say more often than not, found myself almost like being the token but I never quite complained because I'm like I'm now gaining access to these spaces so yeah. I'm just trying to learn what's going on here so um at some point I became very selective as to um the events that I would go to yeah and it had to be almost like private events where I know I would get one-on-one -on -one time with the PR so I'm not wasting my time that I could be using to um, focus on my work and um, create um, content for brands. Um, just going to this event and I feel like I've gotten not, absolutely nothing out of it. Um, and so I, I really, I'm really glad you kind of mentioned that because I think, you know, it's a real difference between a good PR and a bad PR is, you know, I feel like in our space, albeit we're kind of at different parts of the kind of spectrum of the industry, you yeah. know, there's this expectation that, you know, we're, we're giving you an event. We're giving yeah. you a freebie. You, like, you should want to turn up. And it's like, yeah. this is work. You know, this is time. And this yeah. is time away from my husband, my family, whatever it might be. Yeah. And, and actually, it is the PR's job to be a good host, to introduce people, to connect. Like, yeah. you know, I have a background in events and maybe I take it for granted. But I can't stand the thought that someone would walk into a room and look around and see cliques or pockets of people that and then they're stood alone and I just don't get that as a host and particularly someone representing a brand yeah why you know people aren't better at this stuff you know by now and essentially they're getting paid to do this yeah. so I'm kind of glad you bring that up because I think there is something to be learned on that side of the industry as well isn't there Yes, there is, because I, I would say some of these PR people don't even know they're doing it. Like I said, you can tell like they are fangirling over, you know, certain bloggers that they love and they've met them in person. They're like, oh, my God, you know, and they can't seem to spread the love across. Yeah. It's just yeah. like we're going to focus on these ones. These ones are priorities. So it's almost like, so what are we? Um, we're not asking for special treatment. We're just saying, can you just tell us why we're here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely and and again there shouldn't be and again this is the kind of warped thing about Instagram and influencing is this focus on numbers because you know you can have a thousand followers and have the most beautiful unique content and story and twist on things and yeah. you can have a million followers and be pretty darn average you know and I just think that this kind of categorization that the industry has kind of put upon everyone that's in it is yeah. just I you know you know I don't like it I'm a kind of big kind of champion of quality yeah. over quantity um yeah. 
and it is frustrating and I and I think that's probably very evident in terms of you know I I actually think probably evident in the fashion sphere as well actually um a lot of the time so so and what about in terms of working with the brands because you work directly with brands as well don't you yes I do um for the most part yeah and how have you found that experience you know working with them has your the color of your skin ever come into it do you think for positively or negatively or is it just not been something that's ever kind of you've been aware of in terms of your work I think it's hard to tell mm. only because I'm not on the other side of things mm-hmm. to gauge what is going on but um I, I I'm quite aware that a lot of um white influencers get paid more than black influencers right for the same sort of like campaigns and I guess all of this is coming to life as well. Um, there was a friend of mine um, who has this friend that works in PR, and she said there was a blogger who was um, who had a, a black blogger who actually had more followers than this white blogger, and the black blogger was paid about two thousand five hundred dollars, and the um, white blogger was paid eight thousand five hundred dollars. So wow. $6,000 difference. But what's very interesting is that um, the black bloggers post got at least 20,000 likes in terms of engagement and the white blogger got 2,000. So absolutely. So that in itself, so that's absolutely. why I'm saying it's hard for me to gauge because I don't know what they're doing at the other end. So there could be biases going on. And I think this is where, because I'm again a big advocate for people in our industry talking to each other you know yeah. sharing and I know I, I've noticed this about you over the years only when we've met is you're very open about you know your experiences and what you've been paid and who you've worked with and I think it's so important that we kind of regulate the industry ourselves and don't let big bosses you know who have got no idea what they're doing tell us what we should be paid and I think particularly in terms of diversifying and equality and pay like that's yeah. so important if we're not telling each other how will yeah. we ever know and yeah. it might be that that you know white blogger she would have had no idea i imagine oh no she probably didn't i think they probably don't have an idea that you know the other bloggers who get paid more will probably have no clue but i think a lot of a lot of stuff um when it comes to issues like this um i i go back to things like press Mm. in the sense that what voices are you seeing in the media what voices are you seeing elevated in the forefront because i tell you this i've i've not seen people come out to write about do a piece on black creatives in this industry. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see people do that. I, mm-hmm. I do not. But I see them elevate voices of loads of white influencers who are probably doing great in what it is that they're doing. But that same love and attention is not given to black content creators who are very much creatives in their own rights mm-hmm. and overachieving as well. So I find that... <laughs> difficult to reconcile why this is the case Mm. and you know even now that everything has happened with the black lives movement and social media brands showing solidarity it was very interesting to see someone like anna winter you know vogue has been operating since the 1800s and believe it or not they've only hired one black photographer 
No. Two years ago, when Beyonce insisted that her photographer was going to be black. That is shocking, isn't it? That that's like John. To me, that is that is not someone trying to be inclusive or Mm -hmm. it sounds more like going out of their way not to hire a certain class and group of people yeah which is very disturbing so Mm -hmm. now i understand why say i don't find people like myself being featured in press Mm -hmm. and you know but um it's all very interesting because what what do brands see brands go to all these publications they're they're looking oh this is the next big influence or the next best person who has a message and they elevate that person's voice and then the people see that person but we don't see people like ourselves being represented um all the time even though we do have a message which we know people can connect to so i think therein lies the problem Mm. Um, even following the Black Lives Matter movement, all, all these publications came out and they just there saying, oh, 90 black influencers to follow, 30 black, and it's just a bunch of like, hoo-ha, hoo-ha, you just throwing people in there. Okay, we've fulfilled it, but you're giving other white influencers a voice. You're not just, you're not just saying 50 influencers to follow. You're literally giving them a voice to relay their message on a particular article, on a particular... Yeah you know but then you just lump everyone up together and it's like just like ticking a box yeah yeah there's there's clearly a lot more depth that needs to happen and I think you know one thing that I've picked up on and and myself I'm so much more aware of is that it goes beyond just that kind of sharing of a post or yeah you know it's trending now let's get involved and actually we do need to everybody needs to reassess on a daily basis what they're doing to be better allies to each other and to people of color and women in the industry and black women in the industry every you know any sort of diversity that deserves a voice as much as anyone else and actually that isn't going to happen until it becomes a part of everybody's daily thought process. Yeah. And I, I can only hope as someone looking on and being, you know, in the social media world and seeing from my point of view, a shift. And I just hope it's a shift that continues and really does change things. I, I, you know, I, I can only comment as a white person looking at this and trying to educate myself, but I know the difference in, in me and the way I'm now thinking in this last few weeks and you've got to hope that that's reached so many more people in so many different kind of scopes of life yeah I'm hoping it has and it's not all fake and you know performative like I don't know it's just really weird but I think only time will tell in this space um because this is not the first time issues like this have been brought up in this space there's so yeah. many influences black influencers in particular who have been shouting about this um and there's a girl called christabel Plummer. Mm-hmm. she realized from a very um from a very long time that black voices weren't elevated in the press and she decided to do something about it and she used her blog as a medium to feature black women black businesses black creatives that were doing well in the industry and it's all very interesting because she was doing this since 2016 announces all of this started places like the business of fashion have 
been amplifying her articles from her blog from 2016. Right. Which, like she's been at the forefront of this for ages, but they Very have deliberately turned a blind eye, acting like creators do not exist within the black community and that is just very disturbing in yeah. my opinion yeah. yeah oh only i can see you know i can't well i can't even imagine how exhausting it is being on the other side of things and having to kind of think about and have these conversations on a daily basis and i i know as in myself i am you know, re-educating myself all the time. And as someone who runs a community, which there is definitely diversity within the community that I run, but there could be so much more. And, you know, and I've got to look at the way that I'm amplifying all of my members as well. And, you know, that is one small pocket of what I do. And it's, yeah. it's got to happen at the top as well, isn't it? Because that's where it filters down from. And if the kind of big players at the top aren't yeah. fundamentally shifting the way they think, yeah how is it ever going to filter down so i do i do hope we are on the cusp of some serious serious change um okay so i could we've been talking for nearly an hour already and i feel like i have so much i want to talk to you about so i won't keep you too much longer but i wanted to touch a little bit on the fact that you have an agent yeah and how did that come about can you explain because i know there's lots of people in the space that might you know, have no idea, but might it might be something they're considering or they're not sure whether they're, you know, eligible to work with an agent. How did that happen? I'm no longer with my agent as okay. of two weeks ago, but um, how that happened was that I was registered on an influencer platform, which is Whaler. Mm-hmm. So I was just registered on the platform and then they decided that they were going to create an agency side of events whereby they would manage influencers and by extension they reached out to someone like myself who had done quite a few campaigns on there for management Mm -hmm. so I think they reached out to people who had generated them a certain amount of money being on the platform um, to then sign them um, across as um, their agents um, as their talent, sorry. Mm. And then I, I agreed to it because then I was still starting out. So I said, you know, what? I have nothing to lose because they have the connections. They can pitch me to brands and whatnot. But like I said, very recently, I started focusing on what is my purpose in this space? What is my purpose in this space? And right now I feel like uh, they're good at what they do, but that no longer aligns with my own personal purpose. And now I have to just figure it out for myself. So I'm just back to doing things myself now. <laughs> And do you feel more empowered that way, like doing it yourself? Does working with an agent kind of shift that power balance, if you know, for want of a better expression? Um, Not really. I would say I'm still waiting to see the difference, but I'm happy where I'm at because now I'm more in control of of, um, the things that I want to do because I'm very clear now on my purpose in this space so yeah I love that I love that and I feel like I can just it's like emanating from you I can feel this like shift and I I love it and I'm just enjoying like being a part of this in some way as your follower um so just a few kind of more quickfire questions to finish us off okay um what would you say is the best and worst thing about your job so the best 
thing about my job is that I get to be creative. Like I get to imagine things and just come up with new ideas and then execute it and just give birth to something. It's almost like each time I work in something that I'm really passionate about a project, I can have a baby from that project. <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> I'll be really proud of. Yeah. Um, one thing I would say I don't like very much about it is the fact that I cannot switch off. So I could be in bed and an idea will come to me and I'll start thinking about it in detail and I just lose track of time. And then I'm like, it's three and fuck, I need to go to bed because yeah. I just, so it's really hard to switch off um, for the most part. But yeah, I love it for the most part. And what do you do when you need to have a bit of like only time, when you need to switch off? What's your go to to kind of? zone you out I think right now it's reading mm -hmm. um so I'm doing a lot of reading these days so that kind of like helps um zone me out because when I watch tv shows sometimes I, I just get distracted and I pick up my phone and there I am I'm like so what reading I'm like lost in the, in the book so, yeah. so that's a good distraction for me or maybe hopping on the phone to a friend because um i do enjoy chatting with my friends so we could be on the phone for like four or five hours so that can be a while so that's a good i would say a very much welcome distraction i love that <laughs> and for anybody who's listening to this who is kind of nervous or thinking about taking that leap of leaving the nine to five and actually pursuing something that they love what's the one piece of advice you'd give them I would say um, make sure you kind of like have a plan in place. Um, while I did not have like a financial um, fallback, I did have a plan in place to say I would, if I quit, I would give this six months. Yeah. I would put in this amount of work every day and then monitor the results. So I would say have a plan. And before you leave, um, make sure that... Um, when you think about leaving and you think about all the things that could go wrong, even you knowing that things could go really, really long and take a downturn for, for, for you, how do you feel about it? Because before I quit, I used to be so scared. I was like, I'm going to lose my income. I'm not going to have a say. And it really worried me. But when I finally decided now it's time for me to leave, while all of that was still going on in my head in the background, I was okay with it. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, but I'll be fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'll be fine. So when you find that you're at that point where your will to succeed is far greater than your fear of failure, then I would say that's the time to call it quits. I love that. I'm going to like sound bite that. I absolutely love that. Um, and who, who are you inspired by? I would say I get a lot of inspiration from movies in terms of like creating content. But in life, um, there's this guy I love listening to. He makes me happy because the minion is really positive. His name is Les Brown. He's a motivational speaker. He's just someone that whenever I feel down or I just need a push in life, I go to him and he just laughs through the pain or whatever, through life's problems. And it's just really, really... Um, uplifting so he's my go-to guy um, I love that we'll we'll link him in the show notes for sure um and I feel like we have to kind of touch on the sh the topic of this podcast which is can we have it all so it's this notion I think particularly for women that yeah. we you know it's can we be women career women creators you know families 
mothers, house owners, whatever it is, do you think that we can truly have it all? Yes, I actually think you can. But at the same time, I would say it's also important to recognise that um, you can have it all, but you can't have it all doing it by yourself. Um, so it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. Okay to seek advice as well. So if your mom is okay to ask people to help babysit your kids while you you know you go out and achieve your dreams, it's okay to take time for yourself to relax. Um, it's okay to join groups, um, support groups to help um, each other out. Um, yeah, you can have it all, but maybe not necessarily by doing it on your own. You always need help along the way, and it's okay to ask for help. I absolutely love that answer and I think yeah you've totally hit the nail on the head there for for us out there who are constantly thinking about juggling and I think it's particularly with women we have this tendency to think we've got to do it all ourselves and have everything sat on our shoulders and actually it's okay to reach out for support and help I think that's a really inspiring message um and to finish up on Oni what is next for for you and where can we find you where can people find your content and follow you um so what's next for me so right now i think i'm in the process of um working with my friend to come up with like um a podcast that would um would be empowering people but we're still in the um early stages of it Mm -hmm. but that's the project that we're focusing on right now and um you can find me on my blog um mossoni.com and on instagram and twitter mossoni um where I'll just continue to share um, my thoughts and my images um, along the way. And hopefully people um, can get the inspiration that they seek um, to go on and do things for themselves. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And I'm going to link all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much. It's so lovely to see you again, even though it's not in person. And thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast and I hope you enjoyed it. And if you found something useful and inspiring, then I'd really appreciate it if you could leave me a five-star review and a rating because it really helps other people hear this podcast too. If you'd like to enter a competition for a one-to-one coaching session or a blog audit with me, then make sure you leave an email address in that review as well. And if you'd like to submit a question or a topic for discussion, then just send me an email. Find me and my business information, including how to join my growing online community of entrepreneurs and content creators over on holly-wood.co.uk or over on Instagram. All the details about how to contact me and find me and follow me are in the show notes. Thank you. Have a fab week.